Pod. 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 Welcome back. Welcome to New Orleans for another episode. You're in New Orleans. I'm not down there yet. Listen. I'm in New Orleans. Danny just just got back to New York just so he could record this episode. We're a day late, I mentioned on Twitter, but we're a day late because I was traveling um, on Wednesday when we usually record. Got in a little late. The schedule didn't really align. So uh, we're recording this on late Thursday evening. So by the time it's in your feed on Friday morning, um, there actually won't have been a lot of time passed. Uh, before be, be, between us recording it and, and you being able to listen, so that's good. Um, the Huskies talk today. The Longhorns talk today. There was a little bit of a little bit of friction, probably if you actually listen to what was said, not as much as as oh no, no maybe no, was no, let no, on. No, but. no, no, no. We, we are we are not we are not going to talk down the trash talking <laughs> that has already occurred down there in the Big Easy. There, the locals are getting them riled up. If I, I, I'm going to want to hear a description of the person who answered a, asked the question in a second. But let's 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 start it off. There was there was some red meat thrown at one of the prodigious and impactful defensive linemen. That is, well, you go you go ahead and set set the stage for this morning's media availability, Christian. Yeah. So first, Pete Kwiatkowski. Texas's defensive coordinator, former Washington defensive coordinator, a name Husky fans know well. He spoke for 15 minutes and was Pete Kwiatkowski. You know, he's 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 a pretty uh, pretty straightforward, laid back guy. And, and then they make five players um, from Texas's defense available. They do the same thing later in the day with Washington, but it's flipped. It's their offensive coordinator and five offensive players. So uh, of course, one of Texas's five defensive players to talk today was Tavondre Sweat, their Outland Trophy winning defensive tackle, um, the the best D lineman in the country, one of the best defensive players in the country, going to be a huge challenge for the Huskies. He was naturally asked about going up against the Joe Moore Award winning Washington offensive line. Um, and this is how he answered that question. Andre, you're going up against a very elite offensive line. What are you looking forward to the most uh, against going, you know, testing your metal? Uh, it's just another old line. I mean, I mean, they they're a great group, a uh, great group of guys, and they're here to win, just like we're here to win. I mean, like I said, everybody will see Monday. At seven o'clock, seven forty-five. So, you got a special Luke. Uh, oh yeah. Lined up. Oh yeah. <laughs> when, they, when you say they're just another line to me, is that kind of like bulletin board material putting up? I mean, they they were named the best offensive line in the country, and they um, played them last year. Right. I mean, they, they. I mean, let me see how I can say this. <clears throat> Like I said, they're they're a group, great group of guys as all line. I mean, yeah, like I won awards. I mean, them just a, awards to me, you know what I mean? And they got to face guys like us. So we'll see at 7 o'clock how it goes down. <laughs> so, yeah, they won an award. I won some awards. <laughs> I, I think all he means is like, 
look, we we play a different team every week. This is the next team. They're just an, like he. I don't think he's he's denigrating the ability of Washington's offensive line. I mean, maybe that's what he truly thinks. Who knows? But I think all he's saying is like, look, they're the next team. They're the next opponent. We're going to go play a football game. It's just another offensive line. That's that's how kind of how I took it. I don't know how it sounded to you. Sounds like someone who is not intimidated or willing to say, man, we just hope to get out there to be able to compete. It sounds like a confident young man who doesn't believe that he is going to encounter an offensive line that is going to overwhelm him on Monday night. That's that's what it that's what it sounds like. He didn't say we've played better offensive line. He's just saying I'm not going to I'm not going to exalt these guys. I'm not going to raise them as some sort of a, a different cut of beef that we have to contend with. It's another group of five 300 pound dudes that are going to try and block me. And most of the 300 pound dudes that have tried to do that this year have not been that successful. Yeah. And I, I think um, in in that response and in uh, a response from Michael Penix Jr. that you'll you'll hear here in a moment. Look, I, I think. Texas's D-line has had to hear all about how Washington's O-line won the Joe Moore Award, and Washington's O-line has had to hear yes. all about how Devondre Sweat, Tavondre Sweat, and Byron Murphy are going to take it to him, and they're probably both sick of it. And like I, I think that's that's kind of what it what it boils down to. So I think it is like, oh yeah, like oh yeah, their O-line, yeah, they're they're amazing, they're going to kill it. Oh yep, they're Texas D-line. Oh yeah, no, they we we suck. We just were the little you know. Hopefully we don't get hurt too bad. Like. Let's let's also be clear that when you get to bowl games, some people are there to cover the two teams involved and they have intimate familiarity with the workings. And there are also some people that are there that are looking or assigned and their their responsibility is to write a compelling story leading up to the bowl game. And I don't know if people know this, but one of the most effective tactics in writing about teams you do not know about is to get them to talk trash about each other. That, that, that's that's a tried and true journalistic tactic. So, uh, the 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 gentleman, I believe he's a reporter from the the New Orleans uh, Times Picayune, takes which Devondre is the Sweat's... best name news, oh, best yeah. name newspaper, best name newspaper in the country by far. Lou Pinella once used the term Picayune in an interview. <laughs> it means like minutia, he right? He, Correct. He yeah. thought it was very picayune of Omer Vizcael to object to the size of the diamonds in Arthur Rhodes' earrings. Vizcael Vizcael objected, saying that the, the earrings were too bright. So Arthur Rhodes had to remove his earrings in a game. Uh, at this point, Vizcael was playing for the for the Indians. And and Arthur Rhodes was pissed. And after the game, Lupinella said it was very picayune of Omar to make that complaint. Uh, so the the reporter from the Times Picayune takes uh, Tavondre Sweat's remark of of hones in on their just another offensive line, and uh, and bounces that off of Michael Penix for his thoughts. Okay. I asked Tavondre Sweat this morning about your offensive line. He said they're just another old line. Yeah. You agree with that, or was he think he was giving you a little bulletin board material there? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Joe Moore. 
Yeah, I said you won, they won. I watched him win the Joe Moore Award, and he said they're just an, another old line. Yeah, man. I guess so. We're gonna see. <laughs> <laughs> it did give though. How would Panics the opportunity to defend his offensive line and stump for his offensive line, which is, I think, one of his his favorite things. Does Texas's D line remind you of any team you faced? Does Texas D line? Their D line, do they are they similar to any team you faced? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. What uh, different? When, when you watch the their defense on film, what stands out? Um. <clears throat> I'm not going to lie, like, their D-line is good, you know, but at the same time, they, they haven't played they haven't played our O-line, you know. Um, so, like, they, they, they showed a lot of great things uh, throughout the throughout the year. You know, their whole defense, they do a great job. I feel like their coach do a great job with uh, their, their their system, and, um, you know, they they definitely play, play uh, what's the word? They play good ball. You know, I just say they play good ball, man, and, um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say like we're not playing like the the 49ers D line or the Eagles D line. So we'll be good. Did they look much different from last year? You said what? Did they look, look much different from the bowl game you guys played against them last year? They had some good D linemen last year. Uh, I, I think one or two of them might have left. Uh, they they were good last year too. You know. Um, they they usually have some big boys over there on that side and um that that can make plays you know um but i don't know it's different it's different seeing it on film and then being in the game you know because you seeing it on film but at the same time you watching a game against you know Texas Tech K-State like all, all the teams they play and i don't feel like those teams have the offensive line that we have so it's like Right, we'll have to see when it comes game day, but I'm not going to discredit their talent. You know, they got talent, but, you know, it, it'll be different whenever we play them. You know, it's, it's always going to be different depending on the team. So, Okay, so Do you th- whose bulletin board was most furnished by these comments? Was it Washington's by Tavondre Sweat's comments? Was it Texas by Michael Penix Jr.'s comments? Or was it Texas Tech and Kansas State? Catching strays from Michael Penix Jr. It's definitely Texas Tech and Kansas State. They were the ones that were actually <laughs> diminished. Like that was the only actual actual shot. You have to take into account the mentality of the players in the position. The people who are the most likely to be motivated or fueled by perceived disrespect are the offensive linemen. They are, by nature, a fairly grumpy group of guys. And and I say that in that offensive linemen has, have always been my favorite position group to talk to. It's, I don't know whether it's something about the, 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 the miserable nature of the position. I, I always get along really well with offensive linemen. And they would tend to, just another offensive lineman, just another O-line to me, yeah, is is probably it's probably going to provide them with more motivational fuel than than the defensive line. Does it qualify as bulletin board material though? No. I mean, you can you can use anything as bulletin board material. Well, um, you can make things up. No. You can't. No, I don't think it does. I don't think that this is something that was 
I think that this is uh, a reporter who <laughs> who saw an opportunity to to get a story, and a fairly easy turnaround is like, "Hey, what you just said is that disrespectful?" And the player kind of say, "Well, no, not really. We played a lot of good offensive lines." And him going around and saying, "Then to them, he goes, he said you're just another offensive line." <laughs> I don't know if that's the most accurate way to characterize. <laughs> what Devondre Sweat said. I mean, I guess technically he did say that. I just, I. It's funny. It's part of it's part of what goes into it. I think these things have so little to do with the outcome of games, but it's a funny part of the lead up to it. I, 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 I enjoy it. I like the idea. Yeah, and 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 look what we have to talk about now. We're uh, fourteen minutes and twenty three seconds into this podcast episode. I uh, I do think um, Christopher Ulrich, a uh, uh, an Onomat Lake subscriber, pointed this out in a comment. I wrote about this uh, today about the the bat Washington's offensive line against Texas' defensive line. And he he kind of gets to what I I think is the the heart of the matter here. He says, "I can't remember the last college game where the biggest talking point was the linemen." Love to see the big guys getting some recognition and much deserved attention. And I think that's true. Um, there, there's kind of a, I, like when I was at the athletic and everything was about metrics and reads and what's, what gets clicked on and what gets read and what, what doesn't, it, there was kind of a, an unspoken understanding that like you better have something really interesting if you're going to write about the O line or, or just be okay with like one of your stories, not um, doing super great metrics wise for whatever reason they just don't don't drive traffic don't get clicked on people are are more into the the skill positions and everything even though it's it's a hugely important part of the game whereas here today i think whether you agree or disagree or roll your eyes at at some of the quote-unquote bulletin board material the focus is at least where it should be uh in terms of how important that matchup is because i i mean i kind of see that as as the whole game don't you on both sides for different reasons. I think for Washington and Washington's offensive line, it's not the ability to give Penix time because I think Penix, Penix gets rid of the ball so quick that, look, if they have an overwhelming pass, pass rush and they're able to get that rush up the gut, clearly it's going to make the passing game harder. But when Washington really kind of found some stability later in the season... They ran the ball pretty well. And if they're able to run the ball in this game, that's going to keep Texas for a variety of reasons from really being able to, to try and rush Michael Penix. They're going to have to honor the rush on the other side. I, I look, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that Washington's going to be able to come roaring off the edge. Um, I, I think that they've got, I think that their defensive line and especially their edge rushers might be something that not that Texas hasn't seen, but that that might be something that's really able to disrupt. I, I think there's a better chance that Washington's pass rush kind of plays a decisive factor in this game, as opposed to Texas's pass rush playing a decisive factor. And all of those have to do with your, your protection and the guys up front. So Texas has a, a very good uh, left tackle, Kelvin Banks Jr., who's a, a sophomore, mm-hmm. played a ton as a true freshman um, last yep. year. I mean, played a ton as a true freshman left tackle at Texas. 
I would he imagine is, you haven't seen he is that a seen lot. as yeah no and he is seen very much as as a, a prime time first round prospect if and it, I think most people will expect him to come out after next year but yeah he's he's an he's an elite talent absolutely an elite talent uh, 912 offensive snaps this year for him leads the leads the team no texas player uh offense or defense has played more snaps has uh 87.7 pass blocking grade on pff uh out of that that large of a sample size that's that, that's pretty damn good um i'm that's gonna be fun watching braylon trice go against him you know i think so tomorrow uh i don't think banks is one of the players the one of the texas players talking but like tomorrow are we gonna have round two where it's it's you it's got you, no no you gotta do it christian you gotta do it you gotta go up to him and <laughs> you got you gotta instill it he's giving you the template of how to do it He's giving you the template of how you stir it up. <laughs> it's, I think maybe it's just go like ask easy him, to... It, it, you go and ask him, is, is this going to be one of the most fearsome pass rushes you faced in ZTF and, and Braylon Trice? And then he'll say something like, well, you faced a lot of good pass rushes. Are you saying this is just another pass rush? <laughs> so uh, Texas's offensive lineman said you weren't the best pass rusher he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> Exactly. Is that disrespectful? Do you feel that's disrespectful? That's 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 when you know when you know someone is reaching for motivation is when they ask someone is something disrespectful. <laughs> for some reason, being disrespectful has become the the greatest slight you can show anyone. He disrespected me. What does that even mean? I I do think like it's easy to forget because Washington hasn't been on a stage like this in a while that like when you're in the 13 and 0 12 and 1 range and you're one of the last four teams standing and you're playing in the playoff like yeah you're supremely confident at every position <laughs> you know you like you when you haven't lost as Washington hasn't you're you're going to feel like you're going to get the better of whoever lines up across from you and why should you feel otherwise and if you're Texas and you've only lost once and you've won in Tuscaloosa and you've been dominant and you got all this NFL talent and you've got this great D line. Like, yeah, you just, you think you're going to get it done. They're two really confident teams and they're, you know, I, I, I'm sure that they respect one another the way that competitors do, but like you're, you know, you're not going to ask Michael Penix jr. To assess the other team's D line and, and have him give an answer that suggests his O line isn't up to the challenge and vice versa for Texas's guys. <laughs> It's also, and this is, it's a very foreign media environment. And look, media doesn't really play a big factor in how games get decided, but it's how we talk about it and how we characterize the games. And I mean, on an average Washington practice, how many people are there to ask questions after it? Is it half a dozen? If that? Something like that, yeah. And at a meet, and at a media day for the Sugar Bowl, like how many people are there today? And it's only going to grow as the game gets closer and everybody's looking to write something about it. And they don't know a ton about the teams and the nature, the nature of the, of the coverage changes in which people look for whatever they can grab onto that will raise the stakes of the game beyond just it being a college football semifinal. 
Like it's, it happened. The first time I remember clearly seeing how that would happen in football was at, at the, the Seahawks Steelers Super Bowl when Jeremy Stevens found himself in the, found himself in the crosshairs of Joey Porter. It was over a totally innocuous quote. But then Joey Porter goes nuts, and then everybody's over there at, to, to, to hear what Jeremy Stevens has to say in response, and things take on the life of their own. It's kind of it's, – it's part of the spectacle in my mind. It's part of the making a big hullabaloo out of this. On a, on a completely different note, um, Troy Fautano was talking today about how when they, when they go out to eat with, uh, with the offensive line with Michael Penix Jr. when he takes them out, like in U-Village – that he he will sometimes wear a mask like a ski mask uh which i've seen him wear um like coming off the bus before or like i just out for early early warm-ups out on the field i guess so he won't get recognized um but apparently the last time they went out he he didn't have it on and was was mobbed by fans hold on he wears a ski mask to dinner so he doesn't get recognized like because he thinks that'll make him look innocuous (laughs) <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> hey is that michael Penix jr over there <laughs> no man that's just some dude that's going in there <laughs> never paid attention to him he's on his way up to snoqualmie pass after this he's gonna catch some turns man <laughs> with all these six Honestly. seven six eight offensive linemen <laughs> <laughs> where did they eat at you village is there any I don't place know. that serves that amount of copious? I'm trying to think of the restaurants that are down there. I mean, there's, there's uh, like, Din Tai Fung. Is that still there? Yeah. I'd like to see how many soup dumplings they could eat at Din Tai Fung if, if that's down there. I'll bet one of those linemen could throw down a hundred of those. That would be that would be impressive. Also kind of spendy. Yeah. Well, that's you know, that's what you've got Michael Penix Jr. for. He's got the NI. That's right. That NIL, NIL money. money. That NIL take, money. Take care of those linemen. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I did. I did find the Lou Pinella quote. Are you interested in hearing what he said? Oh yeah. Let's yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> it was very picayune on Biz Kale's part. Mariners manager Lou Pinella said, "Rhodes has had those on all year. A lot of players wear earrings. Arthur didn't take it too kindly." <laughs> God, I love Lou. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other stories that you might be able to follow up on while you're down there. If you start running out of material, what was the monkey's name that bit somebody? It was <laughs> the. <laughs> oh gosh! Well, it was, it was Halloween. The 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 the, the alias uh, for the monkey's owner was Pole Assassin. Pole Assassin. That's what it was. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the monkey's name. the the headline i've got here which is on fox news monkey belonging to texas special teams coach stripper girlfriend bites child on halloween (laughs) gia gia is the monkey (laughs) oh that's way too understated (laughs) yeah well i think that's kind of the bit right That's the most normal part of the whole story. And the monkey's name was Gia. (laughs) He belonged to the pole assassin. (laughs) Bit a kid on Halloween. (laughs) I was, uh, I I, I had a question for you. This came up um, 
during holiday discussions. Is this, if if we're considering even pre-BCS national championships to be basically national championships, even though they weren't actually like NCAA sanctioned and it was somewhat yeah. mythical, it was decided by the polls, blah, blah, blah. Is this Washington's best chance ever at an outright national championship? Because in 1991, the best case scenario was that they were going to split, right? Like there was no split, chance yeah. Miami was getting upset uh, in, in its bowl game. Um, you you kind of knew that they weren't going to jump them in the AP poll. The hope was just that the coaches poll would, would deliver it. Um, you kind of knew in 1984 going into the Orange Bowl that – if Oklahoma won, people were willing to vote Oklahoma number one over BYU, but not Washington for some reason. And that even if they beat Oklahoma as they did, probably BYU is going to be delivered the title. The 1960 team, which claims a national championship, that was one poll. The polls that determined the actual national champion that year, the AP poll, they didn't do it after the bowls yet, so on and so forth. In 2016, they were a huge underdog against Alabama. Nobody thought they were going to win that game. This year, they're still an and, underdog, yeah. but they're the two seed. It feels like yes. a pretty even matchup. It feels like a year where there's no dominant, obvious super team that's definitely going to win the title. The the, the vibe, the narrative kind of seems to be any four of these could do it. Um, I don't know. I mean, has there ever been a year where in December, Washington has had a better chance to finish as the undisputed national champion? No, because 2000, once they lost at Oregon, there was not going to be a path. So 2000, they beat Miami in September. But once they lost at Oregon, there was never a point where they had a path to a national title. No. At, 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 no, at, at no point was that going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is. And... I think it's it's a good distinction to make. In 2016, not only were they the number four seed, where you weren't even... Sh it wasn't... We all thought they were going to get the invitation, but it wasn't a lock. Um, I mean, it, it was... They, they, were the, they, were the, they were the number four team. And I remember Peterson, after the game against Colorado, and they beat Colorado, kind of saying, is there is there any doubt that this team deserves an opportunity? Um, but there were two heavyweights that year. And... And then, and then the the other teams that were playing, there were there were two, and the results in the in the in the in the semifinal games kind of showed that out. Um, yeah, I I do I do think that this is, in terms of opportunity, Washington has has never had a better chance at an outright national title than it than it does this year. Um, yeah, I don't I don't doubt that in part because. Like I, that, they've got the best quarterback I, of these four teams. I feel I feel really strongly about that. They have the best quarterback. I now that doesn't that doesn't carry the same weight that it does in an NFL postseason. But but Washington has the best quarterback, and that is the one antidote or the one counterpunch that you always have, even if another team has a big and bruising defense. Like if they are to beat Texas, they're going to face a better defense in the national championship game, whether that's Michigan or whether that's, that's Alabama, those are two really stiff defenses, but they've got the best quarterback in the tournament. I'm going to take that to Quinn Ewers uh, during Friday's availability. 
I'm going to say now. Uh, my 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 podcast co-host of the Say Who Say Pod <laughs> says yeah, uh, that Michael Penix is the best quarterback in the tournament. Do you feel disrespected? Danny O'Neill says, "Wait, wait, you you talking about that high school quarterback, Danny O'Neill?" Uh, no, it's the guy Colorado? that played Oregon a hundred years ago. Yep. Now he's going to San Diego State, man. Yeah, that's a good. That that's a. There's there's worse places to go to college than San Diego State. Oh God, yeah, that's fan, phenomenal, fantastic choice. I hope the young man has a blast down there. Uh, how is the how 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 is the Seattle traveling media contingent? Is there are, are the are the local scri- scribes well represented down there in the Big Easy? I don't think everybody's here yet. Uh, as we record this on Thursday night, but there's a few. Yeah, I mean. You know, I'm here. Seattle Times is here. Dogman's here. Um, I think there's a couple more people still still coming in. But I think that's, yeah, I think that was it today, or Thursday anyway. Do they practice down there? They do. So we'll get a 15-minute a practice window on Friday morning to watch Washington. Texas's practice window was uh, was on Thursday, on, on today as we're recording it. Um, I didn't go because... It was at the same time as Washington's uh, availability, but yeah, you go. It's at the Superdome, um, so you get to go and and see the the venue, and then the big media day on the thirtieth, where every player and every coach for both teams is available. That's also at the Superdome, and I was talking with somebody today who I, I this hadn't occurred to me, but <clears throat> so when there's like a freshman or a, a star player who's injured or you know, somebody like a big time recruit who, you know, freshmen are off limits. So you can't interview them all year. Um, this is kind of your, your loophole because they have to make them a bay. Like the bowl requires, they make everybody on the roster available. So Texas's media day is going to be Arch Manning fest because he did like three or four interviews, his whole recruitment. It was the most buttoned up quiet recruitment ever. And of course, as a red shirting freshman at Texas, he's not, doing interviews he's not available to the media so that's going to be that's going to be quite the scene i wish nothing but the best for him i have no opinions uh pro or or against arch manning but i could not be less interested in hearing about arch manning this week like i know why it's a big story it it also is so far off of anything that i care about in terms of either this game or the, the 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 trajectory of college football, it's so weird to think that that is going to be like a huge reporting opportunity. And I understand why. It's just like God, I, I, I couldn't care less to hear what Arch Manning thinks about about this game. It's so funny to, to think about. To be fair, he is now their backup quarterback because Malik Murphy transferred and left the team. So. There is a, a world that exists where QB2 Arch Manning is dueling against QB2 in the portal, Dylan Morris. I'm just saying that would be the backup battle. And that would be <laughs> that would be quite a uh, quite a storyline to see those two uh, somehow have to lead their teams. Obviously, you know, nobody should want that to happen because it would mean that bad things happen to both Michael Penix Jr. and Quinn Ewers. But it's an interesting backup situation for, for both schools is what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. That'll be interesting. Will you talk to Dylan Morris? Yeah. Yeah. We'll chat with him a little. Um, this will be our first opportunity, 
I think. Also, our first opportunity to talk to Zach Durfee, the uh, the legend of Zach Durfee. Do, do, do you hear the do you hear the, there, the there, engines are, revving outside are, the Sheridan here? No, you got some drag oh. racing going on. I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's racing. I think it's just uh, just loud cars. But I don't know. I'm not. You don't think it's Fast I'm, and the Furious? Well, they were they were fast. I don't know how furious they were. It's maybe it was more pleasant Vin, than uh, than furious. Vin Di- Vin Diesel Vin Diesel showing up to say it's about family. Uh, is there any player that you're that you've in Durfee? You you'll get your the first public unveiling of of Durf. Is there anybody else that you haven't had an opportunity to talk to or had access to this season? Um, nobody contributing really. They're pretty good about access and i don't know i is there is there anyone who you're you're curious may, i don't know any any no. player who you're kind of like you know what i haven't heard that guy interviewed or i don't know what that guy you know i'd like to know more about him i don't seem to hear much about him N- not in terms of, in terms of players that i'm just curious about like people i'm curious about uh i'm curious about about jeremy bernard but that's more just I think he has an interesting recruiting history and, and kind of how he bounced around. I also think he's a, a potentially like really explosive player for them, them down the road, but I've been generally impressed. I've thought that Kalen DeBoer doesn't shield players from the press to the extent that a lot of coaches do. And I actually think that that will be to Washington's benefit in a scenario like this, because when you are relatively open as a program, when you get into these postseason environments, and the same will be true in the NFL, it's not as jarring if the teams have been fairly open all year. The The issues come or it becomes if all of a sudden it's a huge departure and all of it, there have been all these walls placed up around the program. I know that was a big part of Pete Carroll's approach in he's – I mean, even now the in the NFL, which is much more protective, he's one of the more open coaches. He's less secretive. And at USC, it was it was wide open. And and part of his approach was I don't want when we get to big stages for them to feel like it's different. I want them to always feel like there's attention. I want them to always feel that. And I feel to some extent, Kalen DeBoer has because he, it's not like we're you're only going to hear from Roma Dunze a couple times. Like guy, guys are available. Like they there's there's not walls put up. But that that's from the outside. That might not be an accurate impression. You know who's always available? IP McFarland. Ian McFarland. Ian is going to be headed down. We're both headed to the official tailgate. The 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 official tailgate there at uh, the Smoothie King Center. On on Monday before the game, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna meet up there. But he sent in uh, his it in anticipation of our arrival down in Nola. He sent in his question of the week. It's nine thirty nine on Tuesday night, um, and my official review of yesterday's movie release is that if you um, are no longer getting your blood flowing as a UW fan from rewatching the two Oregon games this year, boys in the boat will get you there. Pretty, pretty awesome. And if you can uh, keep from standing up and and clapping along to the fight song when, when they sing it in the movie, you're a bigger man than I. 
My question's pretty simple. Uh, everything's been talked about. Everything's been written about. Um, I, I think Washington fans pretty well know what they're up against and, and what this team is at this point. But um, probably the same cast of characters are, are in line for MVP should Washington win. But who's that guy that we're going to be pointing to and saying, wow, imagine what would have happened in this game if it weren't for blank's performance. You guys are the best. Can't wait to see you both down in New Orleans. Let's do this. Go dogs. It's a good question. What do you think? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a guy who you could already say that about in at least two different games this year. Uh, I'm gonna say Devin Culp. I say Devin Culp makes another another catch or two to uh, to bail them out on a third down to get them into the end zone to to move the chains on a big uh, uh, big situation late in the game whatever it might be um, I just see you know between Texas's front and you know the battle between their their front seven and Washington's O line and maybe trying to use the middle of the field more maybe trying to uh, exploit the, the the tight end screen game a little bit. Um, I think they get the ball in Devin Culp's hands in a critical moment. And, and you look back and say, wow, just like Arizona, just like USC, they, uh, they really, really needed those contributions from their senior tight end. With apologies to Romo Dunze, he's got the best catch of the season, doesn't he? The best, I would say, yes. I would say uh, the two best. I, I mean, in terms of degree of difficulty and wow, I can't believe he caught that. How did he catch that? How did he hold on to that? How did the ball not move? And he got both feet down. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I think, I think Devin Culp, the 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 big, the third and long at Arizona and the third and long touchdown mm-hmm. at USC um, are one and two. I mean, Romo Dunze may has made you know a couple dozen like really impressive catches, but he's kind of a victim of his own excellence, right? Like you expected out of him. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. He just went up, you know, went up and, and stole a 50, 50 ball away from a DB who was right on him. And that's just what he does, you know? Um, but in terms of like degree of difficulty and like spectacular rating. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd put both of those cold catches one and two. Jack Westover might be up there too. Mm, that's true. And it yeah. is in his case, but in his case, it was a couple of, the the balls weren't thrown particularly well. Like he made just insane adjustments. Uh, that catch he made against Oregon in the in the the regular season game against Oregon was pretty phenomenal. His adjustment to that throw and body control was was absurd. Um, I'm gonna go with the big Haas in the middle of the defense. Tuli La Tuli Hasanoa. I think that he has made such a huge difference in the games when he's been active. And I think he's probably been more impacted by the calf injury than we, than we knew over the course of the season. Um, and I think that having a whole month off and being in a game against a team that is going to want to, or have the perception that it's going to have an advantage when it comes to the beef up front. I, I think Thule, I, I, I think at the end of this game, we're going to talk about what a huge factor and maybe that we haven't fully appreciated how much Thule has meant to the middle of that defense, not just this season, but for his whole career here at UW. 
So he's on the list. I, I, I'm glad you brought him up because he's on the list of guys whose availability I'm very curious about because he played 30 snaps, I want to say, in the Pac-12 championship game. And it was like a job to manage him in the weeks prior to that to get him to those 30 because yep. they were like Oregon Pac-12 title game. Need him. Got to have him. What what do you what do you got to do to make sure you get as much out of him as you can? And that was that number was thirty snaps. So a month I, later, I think they tried. I think they tried real hard not to play him against Wazoo at all. And oh, I'm sure. I'm, to. I, I'm certain that was the plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he played five snaps in that game, and they were all in the fourth quarter. You know, they they clearly were trying to hold him out. <laughs> um. So and he was the coffee. The coffee's for closer guy. You got to bring him in when you need it. There's, there's, so I'm, I'm curious to see, like, is he closer to full go or, you know, what can they put on his plate? Are there no limits at this point with a, with a month off? Um, you know, I think Jalen McMillan kind of, kind of answered his, any questions about his availability against mm-hmm. Oregon. That was a full load. So I think you can expect him to be uh, fully available. Um, you know, I'm curious, Asa Turner. Right. Like he you got him back against Oregon, but in a limited capacity. So is he closer to being able to play starters reps? Cam Fabiculon and you, you got back against Oregon, uh, made some some big plays in that game. Actually, his name popped into my head for uh, when I was mulling over what my answer to Ian's question was going to be, um, because he just kind of seems to pop in here and there and make a big play on third down. So um you know, I, those those are those are kind of the few guys whose status. You know, I I feel like the Oregon game was like a mini bowl game a little bit, where some guys who'd been banged up, you were kind of building them back, hoping they'd be available for that game. And now you've got players that you know you've got a complement of players out there that you haven't had all season, um, or haven't at least haven't had in recent weeks. And it it felt it kind of felt like a bowl game that way, but now this is actually the bowl game. And they've had a month off and a month to get healthy. And so I'm just I'm I'm curious if there's anybody who they've really relied on this season who who won't be available and won't won't be fully ready to go. You throw in, right, not injury related, but Zach Durfee, you've got available for a couple snaps now. Kind of sounds like he's at least in the game plan. We'll see how many snaps that means, but you know, you'll you'll see him out there on the field. Giles Jackson, he kind of he was banged up, but also you're holding him back for to preserve the red shirt. Um, he, he was able to play against Oregon. So you've got, you've got him healthy and ready to go. Um, yeah, should be, should be interesting to see all those guys playing together. It's, yeah, that's why, that's what makes, you know, bowl season is, is so different because of the players who aren't available for teams like these, these mid tier, lower tier bowl games, all the, all the opt outs and transfer portal guys and, and the rosters look totally different. Um, but, for the big games, for the New Year's Six games, for the college football playoff, it's it's fun because of the exact opposite reason, right? You've your roster looks more complete. You've got guys you didn't have all season. You're as healthy as you're ever going to be, you know, playing a game of of any kind of stakes um, during a college football season. And um, guys are playing so hard. On top of that, I know I said it before, but like that's what that the Pac-12 championship game felt like. Felt like I mean, just guys who who'd been banged up were were going to give it every single snap you could get out of them both teams just playing as hard as you've ever seen them play um that's yeah that's what the postseason in college is all about it's going to be fun i'm really excited i can't wait to get down there i can't wait to read more of the coverage on montlake.com eyes and ears there 
uh, on the ground and that's going to be, it's, it's really a pretty phenomenal opportunity here for everybody involved. It is. So I I have a story uh, published Thursday about Washington's O-line against Texas' D-line. How many of you do you think it would take to move the Joe Moore award trophy? It weighs 700 pounds. I think they say 800. How, how far? Ooh. Just pick it up and, and move it. Like, do I have yeah, to I mean, get just, it off the ground or do, do I have to nudge it? You can push it. I think four of me could move it. Okay. I should have asked. I don't know how they got it in there. I assume via hand truck. That'd be a good, maybe someone's already done it, but like, that'd be a good story transporting that because, you know, they got it, it goes from winning campus to winning campus. Like it's a perpetual trophy. It's not, you know, they they don't make a a new seven foot, 800, 800 pound trophy every year for the winners, which that'd be pretty awesome if they did. But, um, they got to put that thing on, I mean, does it go on a truck? Do they, can you take that on an airplane? Would it have to be a private flight? Yeah. What's the world record for the squat? There's there's probably someone who can squat that, right? Because oh, you yeah. talk about like Jalen Hurts squats 600 pounds. So uh, a story from The Sun, uh, March 2023, says the heaviest assisted squat lifted by a male is 1,069 pounds. So... That's yeah. That that the, the Joe Moore Award trophy would be child's play for the the world champion squatter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just throw it on the bar. That's wild. God, that's wild. Oh, so much. Yeah, yeah. I could I can squat that. I can squat an eight hundred pound trophy. Good lord. If uh if you're making the trip or if you're already here. Uh, I, I went and grabbed lunch at kill, killer po boys today. Um, it's very just, uh, down the street and around the corner from the, the hotel here, um, in, in downtown new Orleans. Pretty good. Pretty good. I would, I would go back. Uh, I, I had the barbecue chicken, um, which, uh, there was also duck fat involved. It was, it was very good. So there's your, your lunch recommendation for the week. Um, I'll save my game prediction until uh, until New Year's Day. I think I might invite Danny to to make his again. I think I know who he's going to pick. Yeah, yeah. There's not much to it. Uh, do you have any other food stops that you're planning to hit up? Um, I've got a bunch of recommendations from people. I don't have anything actually sketched out yet. Central Grocery and Deli is the home of the original Muffaletta. Uh, Muffaletta is an absolutely delicious sandwich. Uh, if that's that, that might be something that comes in handy on a day you need to pack a lunch or bring something with you. Also give you the recommendation. It might be tougher to get in there. Mother's mother's is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and it is an old style new Orleans. You get some of the, 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 the oysters that, that they're known for in that area of the world. Um, those are, those would be two, two, two recommendations I'll leave for you and anybody else. Mother's probably going to be tough to get in though, given the holiday nature of the weekend. So Baron Sorrell, um, one of Texas's starting edge rushers, is from New Orleans, 
and he was one of the players who spoke with the media today and he was asked for a recommendation and he suggested um new orleans food and spirits and to get the voodoo crawfish rolls there so from a from from a, a new orleans native i would add that to the list all right uh be safe down there not too many hurricanes christian yeah, I'm 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 at zero right now. So, um, I got I got three bottles of Dasani sitting to my left. That's kind of the program I'm on. If you're if you're, if you're picking up the uh, the the nasal sounds here, <laughs> <laughs> hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. We will talk to you. I I, I guess next week. We I I will I will say if I mean you know they, the game's Monday, January first. Depending on the outcome, maybe we. Uh, Maybe we get together for an emergency, an emergency broadcast. We'll see. Might be fun. We'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy the game.